Praise the Lord. Thank you very much, Michael, and good morning, everybody. Good morning again. God well, bless you, you all. I trust you're all well in these incredible times. Um, as Saberna was saying, perhaps we're coming to the end, um, or at least we can see the end of this tunnel, huh? Uh, can you remember last Easter when we were planning to go to Easter camp? We never would have believed that we would have been in this situation all this time later, but here we are. You know, I spent this week talking with leaders from many different nations around the world, senior leaders and apostles, and funny thing, yeah, the, almost a consistent theme was the blessing. I know not a blessing for a lot of people because millions have died, but in terms of the church's perspective, you know, and the health of the church, many people see great, great blessing in their nation, that the changes that have taken place were great, they're good, and they can see that God was really moving through this time. I met with Steve Uppel there recently, and he was saying the same thing. He just thanks God for what's happened, and it, we, we, we're doing things we probably should have done anyway. We're getting involved and developing in ways that we should have been doing. And lockdown forced us into those certain ways of developing. And just being stuck in a building, which was never God's plan, never the intention, look at the effect of that on me and on you. Look at the things it was withholding from me. Now, Mary's has consistently prayed through this year, Father, let lockdown achieve its goal in you, He's praying for you. Let this lockdown, let this time achieve the goal, whatever that is. Well, I guess we're coming close to the conclusion, we hope, of this. So I want to just address that issue again. Has, do you think God has done in you what his desire was through this lockdown? I've changed many things. I've developed some things. We're still developing many things that we feel God has led us into. Um, all over the world, churches are teaching on branding, retooling, rein reinventing yourself. Just about every nation, that's become a theme. And it's been a theme for us as well. Uh, Mary's began that actually a few weeks ago. And then Sandra and Ray continued just looking at lockdown has forced us to look back at ourselves. And that's a great thing. And to consider Am I the version of me that God intended? <laughs> Is there another version of me to be installed, to be developed, uh, that, that I need to release into this world? Am I outdated? Huh? It's a costly thing, getting an update, you know. Pricey. A lot easier just to flog the old model to death. <laughs> but you're going to get outdated and lose touch with everybody around you then. That's no good. Yeah, I definitely think we need to have a look at our, um, I'll explain more in a moment, our branding, who we are as individuals as well as churches. And that's what has been happening all over this world. Retooling, reinventing uh, who I am and making the necessary changes uh, I need to make. My father left school quite early and he trained after leaving school as a crane driver. He worked in London on building sites for many years and then in Ireland. He was 
way up in those building site cranes moving the materials and he did that from the age of about 20 until he retired he did it for nearly 40 years the same job isn't it ironic how times have changed it's almost unthinkable of someone doing the same job now you know you don't it just doesn't happen that much anymore where you 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 go to school you get your qualification you leave and then you're in a career path for the rest of your life it happens but it doesn't happen anywhere near as often as it used to 26% of people who go to university end up using the qualification in the field they qualified in. That's like a third. That, that's incredible. It can still be useful, but I'm making a point. We, we often don't end up doing the same thing for life, and there is a transition. It's available to us. It used to be you needed to get a job, but now you need to be the job people need to want you because what you've got there's probably a plethora of people who've got what you've got that's the way it is today you can tell me what you do well you know what there's a thousand people who do that i'm looking at you who are you you know a good example of this is my stepson james he's been hired several times they have created space in companies for him created room for him because they wanted him there and I would ask you as we began two or three weeks ago just looking at reinventing ourselves take it very very seriously I've been thinking this week about Elisha remember Elijah and Elisha Elisha he came from a long family tree of farmers <laughs> your daddy was a farmer your grandfather was a farmer and you're going to be a farmer. You know what, Elisha? Don't get any big ideas about yourself, huh? If it was good enough for your grandfather, and it was good enough for your father, it's good enough for you. So get out into the field and start plowing that field with your oxen and your plow. And he did. He did. But it's pretty clear to see that as Elijah went to work, there was definitely something in him that was eating away at him something was moving him inside he was thinking there's another version of me but he couldn't quite put his finger on it he couldn't quite identify what that thing was you have to see some things almost to believe them to see an incarnation and then one day he saw Elijah he saw the prophet and there he is year after year pushing his plow driving his oxen and suddenly bah, ha, ha, now that's what I'm supposed to be that's who I'm supposed to be I need to retool I need to slaughter these oxen I need to burn my bridges I need to burn this plow and I need to get trained I need something different because I can see something that's why I like conferences you know you can only become what you see and some of you years ago you saw someone leading worship and inside of you something came alive you said that's me I was walking down a street I'd only been saved a very short time and there was a man called Stephen Harris preaching the gospel there and I got frightened because everything within me said that's you that's you and it was a scary moment I was in healthcare. 
That's not my profession. I'd done well in, in, in my job. But it wasn't my actual identity. Be careful of that, you know. You can accept an identity way, way, way too quick. Elisha, you're a farmer. Elisha, you've got one talent. <laughs> That's who you are. So be careful. Um, I see this. People stuck in that kind of one talent mentality. We have a friend, John. We met him not long ago. And when his wife introduced him to us, I remember what she said. My husband, John, he's a bus driver. <laughs> he's a bus driver, is he? Funny you should say that. Because I can drive a bus, you know, I can drive. It doesn't make me a bus driver. And anyway, John here, he's a husband. He's a father. He's, he's a community worker. He's many things. So why do you just pigeonhole him so quickly? So be careful about becoming... It's important to me, and I trust it's important to you, to become the person God wanted me to be and has created me to be. That's where my zing and zap is. That's where the X factor is. And But, but tradition and loyalties to my family, to my, to my traditions, like Elisha could have done here, can weigh me down. I have seen this endless times because of the work I do. For nearly 30 years, I've worked with different cultures. I'm not loyal to my culture. My mother and I had many hot debates on this one because she was very, she was very nationalistic for Ireland and she really did not like that part of me, but eventually I think she got the point. I'm not loyal to any church. I'm not loyal to any, I'm not loyal to Ireland. No, 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 I don't belong to Ireland. I belong to the kingdom of God. Be careful there, you know. It can be a false loyalty. What's happened to me, I think, is my loyalties have got higher and higher and higher. When I was a child, I was loyal at one level to my family. But anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, huh? And then you grow up, you get a gang, you get a gang of, you run around with and you're loyal to them. And then you realize you're Irish and you're loyal to Ireland. And then you've got your culture and you start to get credibility within your culture. All of these things mount up and they, they become like a prison. Some people are imprisoned in their own culture. And I'm saying that, I repeat, for, for like three decades working with national groups, ethnic groups, cultural groups. You don't do... Listen, I've worked with churches. Romanians, Chinese, Kenyans, Polish, Pakistanis, Russians, Ethiopians, Eritreans, Malaysians, all over the United States multiple nations across Africa, multiple nations across Europe, Scottish, Irish, English, Brazilian, Singaporean, and many more. Many more. Leading groups within these cultures. You don't do that without seeing something. You don't do it. And one of the biggest points I see is a lower level loyalty to something, some status I get within my culture. People always want status within their culture. They want to be seen a certain way by their own people. And that becomes a prison. That becomes a limitation in this year of no limits. And I, I was probably the first in my family to break that. And with great gentleness and love for my mother, I said, no, mom. I'm, I'm in the kingdom of God.
I'm in the kingdom of God. I'm born again now. And my loyalty is up there now. And what it does, don't let your culture become a prison to your giftings and to your calling. Don't let your gift become a limitation, not one thing. I know you can work a plow, Elisha. I know you can drive a bus. But it doesn't have to be your lifelong identity. Don't let your abilities limit you. And I believe many people do. Jesus had the same problem. You're a carpenter. We know who you are. Don't start getting ideas outside the box. You're the carpenter's son. You're Joseph's son. Now get back in your box and stay there. And you will see this all over scripture. And I'm mentioning this because um, we've, we've looked at branding, which was fascinating for a couple of Fridays. I don't know about you, but my mind was just exploding with ideas. I had so many ideas in those two weeks that I couldn't cope with it. It was, it was overwhelming to me. The, 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 it was excellent. The seminars were excellent. <coughs> and um, we were talking about rebranding yourself as a, as a Christian. So, you're a farmer, Elijah. Now you're going to become a prophet. So, he didn't automatically become a prophet. He had to go to the school of prophets, right? So, he had to get training. And he had to sacrifice a lot to get that training. So, he's gone from almost an anonymous private field where he's working alone and he's moving into a place where he's going to have to almost announce himself you know <laughs> and this is a difficult transition for many people to make when you talk about christians branding themselves or churches branding themselves it's counterintuitive it sounds full of pride I mean, the, if someone said that to me, aren't you trying to promote yourself? Isn't that wrong? Shouldn't Jesus increase and shouldn't I decrease? Isn't that the way this is supposed to be? Yes, that is the way this is supposed to be. Yes, you're not supposed to promote yourself. However, think on, keep thinking about it. Elisha is anonymous in a field. But the day comes when he has to enter his ministry and you can't be anonymous in ministry so you need to make the transition into a public life so people know who you are and it requires humility to do that do you know it requires humility to have a gifting and to remain silent requires humility to know that you've got something in you and to sit in the church quiet and submissive that's hard it's hard to be a carpenter and to work as a carpenter when you know you're calling. And you can be anonymous as a carpenter. No one may know who you are. But the day is going to come when everybody knows who you are. You're not asking for it. It's something that happens. It's something that happens to many, 99% of people who find their gift and calling in God. They become public. And it happened, the dusty old academic called Paul. He was famous in small circles, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, but he was no global figure, was he? How that changed. 1 Corinthians, Paul says this, For it seems to me that God has put us apostles on display. So Paul didn't promote himself. Paul didn't put himself on display. Paul says this, For it seems to me that God 
has put me on display. He has made me a public figure. At the end of a procession, like those condemned to die in the arena, we have been made a spectacle to the whole universe. And Paul required humility to grow his gift, to retool, which he did because he disappeared for a long time after Damascus Road. He re-educated himself, re-sculpted his theology. And then he requires humility to also go public. These are sensitive issues. So no, I'm, we're not saying, LFC is not saying through the LIW, promote yourself. That's not what we're saying. We're saying have the humility to be silent and to wait like Jesus did for 30 years. And to nurture your gift and educate your gift, train your gift. But you're also going to need perhaps the humility to come up front and to go public and to, to let that ministry flourish. Jesus was anonymous for a long, long time. Not only that, but he told people not to tell people who he was when he was working miracles. Don't, don't tell anybody who I am. My time has not yet come. And I repeat, through lockdown, it seems to me, listening to various apostles this week, it seems to me many people, their time has come. Many people are finding themselves because of the situation. People are finding new gifts, new skills, new ideas. They're facing up to things that they've perhaps been reluctant to face the challenges with. New ministries, new developments, and I thank God for that. But I would ask a few questions this morning to each of you about retooling yourself, recognizing perhaps the hidden giftings within you, the latent giftings, and how you would bring those out. I would ask you a few questions that are important to me. Question number one, when are you going to go public? I know some of you have done that. You've been working on a ministry privately and just recently, even within the last few months, some of you have launched YouTube channels, Facebook pages, or you've gone public, or you're going to go to the publisher with that book or whatever it is. You're going to launch that ministry. I'm just asking the question. I'm not going to answer it. You need to answer it for you. When are you going to go public? For Jesus, it was when he heard for John the Baptist was dead. That was the prophetic signal. When, when Jesus heard John the Baptist was dead, now it's time for him to come out of the shadows where he has been living with humility. Now he needs another type of humility to go into the public arena. And so he did. And we know the end of that story. When are you going to go public? You need to think about that and get in touch with God on that. My second question to you, why are you going to go public? Why? We can do this two ways. You can do this in the flesh or you can do this in the spirit. And you can be successful, by the way, in both directions. You know, there's Isaac and Ishmael. Ishmael was very fruitful. Ishmael had many children, many ancestors still here today. Children of the flesh, works of the flesh, dead works. And in the eyes of men, incredibly successful. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the works in the spirit. We're talking about the, the, the gifts of promise, the ministry of promise, the life of promise, the son of promise, Isaac. Make sure that before you go public, make sure that you're pursuing God's goal for your life. 
and not just stealing your gifts and talents and using them yourself in your own way. Those gifts belong to the church, not to you and not to me. I, I shared this example. It's a really good example when Rick was in, Pastor Rick Seward was in a conference on prosperity and missions and how to use money for missions. And one man stood up and asked him a question. He said, I want to get rich. Is that wrong? And it was a really tricky moment. Um, and Rick shared the testimony. He felt that God just dropped wisdom in his spirit to answer the question. And Rick answered the man and he said this, if you get rich, just make sure that God does it. That's a good answer. <laughs> I really like that answer. The Apostle Paul says, it seems to me that God has made me famous. Not me. Seems to me that God has opened a great and effective door in ministry. That tells me that Paul never did try to use self-promotion as such but rather was broken and humble and willing to be used of God in the public sense. When you go public is very important because you need to have the study, the qualifications, the abilities to do what you're purporting to do, which is what Elijah and Elijah teach us. He, he, not, not only did he have the gift, but he also trained the gift. Those are two very important steps. Why you go public is important. How are you going to go public? It was Ray that gave us this in the seminar. Absolutely fascinating. Uh, how are you going to do that? What way is that going to be? What form is it going to take? If you're going to plant a church, where? If you're going to start a worship ministry, how? And Ray presented us with a plethora of, of platforms. And I never knew, as much as I've been involved in media a long time, but I never knew all those little details about who's out there and how you can reach them. That, to me, was totally fascinating. Great, great Fridays there. How are we going to go public? And I got a lot of ideas about, about tricks I've missed, really, things that are open to me that I didn't see until we had that training. <laughs> and then through what channels? Through what channels? Are you going to use that people churches i'm committed to the church and you need to be committed in the church stay undercover actualizing your gifting doesn't mean you're independent it doesn't mean you run out that's a disaster that's not what i'm teaching and that's not what scripture advises stay undercover keep your gift covered and you will have nothing but blessing for that sometimes it's hard but do it So the first commandment of God to mankind was be fruitful to Adam. Now I love worship. I absolutely, today was great. Just great. It's like a shot in the arm, excuse the pun. <laughs> it's just great. But in the Garden of Eden, God didn't say, okay, Adam and Eve, now you're going to worship, you know, forever as such i know there's worship going on in heaven forever but he told them to take dominion he told them to go to work here adam here it is i require fruit i require a return like we were saying last week god is a good father but he's also a businessman and god has invested in the parable of the talent or the laborers whatever it is he invests and then he comes back for his return where is my return where is my return 
And this is why it's important for me to find out what I am specifically and individually called to do. When I respond to that, I hope you're listening to me, some people aren't going to like it. Especially people close to you. Especially people close to you. The closer they are, the more difficult it is. A prophet's not welcome in his own town, you know. People close can be the ones who just can't believe that you have this idea. You? I know you. <laughs> Elisha, Jesus, same thing. And Paul, they said he's not an apostle. We know who this guy is. So be careful. I'm called to be fruitful and one day I will give an account of that fruit in great detail. Precise detail. So for me this is important to be very genuine to the, to the calling I've been called to, to get trained in it and then to outwork it and to make it in a way that's presentable in the modern world. Can I just say something? You don't own anything. In everything I'm talking about here today, I have seen ownership destroy many people. You own nothing. Okay? And no, no one, remember the book of Acts, when the new believers after Jesus has just gone, no one claims anything is my own. We are slaves to Christ. I don't own this shirt. I don't own my home. I have a very temporary stewardship of my children. You don't own them. They are entrusted for a very brief moment. Yesterday, I was just sharing about my wedding ring when my first wife died, when Jeanette died. And I kept my ring on my finger. And I kept it on because I didn't see any reason to take it off. And one day I saw someone who had lost his wife and he, he didn't have his ring on. And it just caused me to think a little bit. So I started to think, should I wear the wedding ring or not? You see. And as I thought about it, in the next life, there's neither Jew nor Greek, male nor female, husband or wife. Right. So when she was on earth, she was my legal wife, if you like, in God's sight. So I'm entitled to the ring temporarily. But once she died, she went on to become a child of God in eternity. She's no longer my wife. I suddenly saw that for what it in, is in reality. So I took my ring off <laughs> and people started questioning me about that and I gave that answer. That was a very temporary trust. That's a temporary trust. And everything in your life is the same. You don't own your own giftings. Sometimes I wonder if you guys know me at all. <laughs> She said, she hears my phone calls. She sees my Zoom meetings. She said to me yesterday, you are so submissive. You are so submissive in everything. Yeah. I was a rebel when I got saved. I was a rebel for five years. I couldn't work with anybody. My attitude was, was rotten, absolutely terrible. I hated myself <laughs> and I fasted and prayed on a mountainside and the good Lord God Almighty came to visit me and he told me you're judging people look at your attitude and who are you 
to judge someone else's servant. And it just, I left that tent a free man. And my friends at that time said, whoa, you ch I changed. Do you know what? I don't own anything. I don't own my own life. I belong to the church and to Christ. My gifts belong to the body of Christ. If, like an orchestra, if they say stand up, I stand up. If they say sit down, I sit down. That's how this works. I'm not an independent either in heart or in action. Yes, I am submissive because I believe through submission, which is the order of my Savior, who through submission has saved us all through obedience, through understanding this is the road. This is the road I must walk. And if God has entrusted me with some gifts of power, may God forgive me if I ever abuse them or steal them or hijack them or take them for myself. No, they belong to the church. They belong to the body of Christ. And I'm here to serve at the widest level. I'm going to repeat it. You don't own anything. What you are is you're a manager. That's what you are. You're managing and raising your children. And then you're going to hand them over just for a moment. You you're, are, are given a gift. It belongs to the church. It doesn't belong to you. And when you die, you're going to give an account for your management of that gift on earth. And that's where the rewards, and that's why I'm coming down this road. That's where the, the rewards kick in. I'm going to be eternally rewarded for what I did with my giftings, not someone else's ministry. And once I realize my giftings, then I can train them and utilize them in the kingdom. In scripture, a lot of what I'm saying here this morning, because I just want to tidy up some of the thoughts on branding as we come out of lockdown in all probability. Time, talents and treasure. It would have been very easy for Elijah to think he was a man with one talent. He can drive a plow. That's it. It would be very easy for our friend John to think, I'm a bus driver and that's it. Okay. Now, Jesus does give one talent. I, I, I agree. He gives one talent. But he gives the one talent to a person, a gifting, one. But he expects them to work it and to earn more. He expects them to increase, not to remain a one-talent person. And it's, it's a great irony to me that the one-talent always hide their gifting. But let me look at these three things in turn, again, on our general theme of resurrection, judgment, and rewards. In terms of rewards for you in eternity, another thing that you will be judged upon, and I will be judged upon, is your time, your giftings that God put in you, your talents, your abilities. And your treasure, time, talent, and treasure. Let me talk about time. And I don't just mean seconds, minutes, hours, weeks, and years. I don't mean just that, though that is very important. I mean the opportunities. <laughs> Paul says, make the most of every opportunity. Can you imagine if the Apostle Paul was around today? Oh, Lord. Paul, who had to walk for days and days to deliver one message to one community. Jesus, who did the same thing. John Wesley, who rode on a horse. Days before any technology was available, when the promotion of the gospel was so slow and arduous, so hard. If you've ever seen a map of Paul's missionary journeys, it's astonishing. 
the amount of effort they had to put in to getting the gospel to one. And you know today, what a difference. You, in your home, can reach the world from your home. Now that is an opportunity in time. It's an opportunity that our forefathers would never have dreamed of. And they'll be turning in their graves thinking, what is wrong with these people? They use YouTube to listen to rock music. They use Facebook to promote themselves. God gave you a tool. God gave you an opportunity. Can you not see it? Can you not see that opportunity? Take it. I think we will be held accountable for what is available to us. Do you know in days gone by, if you wanted to make a program for television, you had to have cameras that were the size of a bus, you know, these big, massive cameras. When you travel in different countries, they've still got them <laughs> in some places. You needed so much equipment and it was astronomically expensive. You needed experts in this, that and the other. And then over time, see this, look. Over time, things got smaller and smaller and smaller and cheaper and cheaper and cheaper. And then about 20 years ago, these guys started to come out. The Canons and the Sonys and all that. And these came down for, you know, 15,000 pounds, then 10,000 pounds, then 5,000 pounds. I think these were about 5,000 pounds. And then today, here we are. <laughs> this little chap you can get on Amazon for like next to nothing. And this guy's better than 10 of these. And you can buy this, plug this in at home, and you're off reaching the world. What am I saying? I'm saying years ago, you needed to be super wealthy and a superstar to reach the world. Today, everybody can do it. God has leveled the playing field. It's a level field today. Everybody's working from the same base. We're all at home. Everybody's at home. Everybody's on Zoom. And I want you to see that as an opportunity. I think of the young people. Wakey, wakey, rise and shine. Guys, grab the moment. Grab the opportunity. Ray Belfield, who died now, who was my overseer many years. And Ray Belfield, great. He was great for quotes. He was always saying things that you could remember. Not just me, but many people say that. And, but he did to me many times. And one day he said to me, Mike, if you don't do it between the age of 35 and 55, you're never going to do it, you know. <laughs> Statistically, you're very unlikely to do it. Now, you can't do it in Jesus' amen. But he was making a statistical point, a factual point. If people don't do it between the age of 35 and 55, it gets a lot harder because times have changed and you're getting older and things are changing <coughs> faster than you are. So I would encourage younger people particularly, for heaven's sake, slap yourself and get to it. Get to it. You have a dream? Well, dream again. Dream again. Retool. And don't, I don't care if your father was a farmer and your grandfather was a farmer and your great-grandfather was a farmer. Who are you? Reinhard Bonnke's father was, 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 was a doctor, his grandfather was a doctor, his brothers and sisters are doctors. And you can read the book. There's such pressure to be that. And he broke the mold and changed the world with one gifting. Who are you, friend? Who are you? Time's running out here, huh? Who are you? God. Time. Use it well. 
Reconsider the opportunities and please use them. Talents. I want to say to everybody, you know, if you, if you struggle with using your giftings, and I know many people do because you talk to us all the time about it, you're not alone. The Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy much about this. Timothy had giftings and he didn't use them. I don't know if he was shy or embarrassed. Don't know what was wrong. But Paul writes to him and says, Timothy, please stir up the gifting that God gave you. God gave you that. You're responsible for that. And then he told him to function in other ways. Be an evangelist. Do the work of an evangelist. Pushing him forward. So if that's you, if you know you've got a gifting, I empathize. Totally empathize with you. But it's a lot better to, 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 to make the effort and, and get trained and develop your gifting than sitting on it, I tell you. Because it can make you very sad. Let me say to everyone who's listening here, I want to say, you know if you're born again, you have a talent. There's no exceptions. You at least have one. You may have ten. I don't know. But everyone who's born again, Jesus says, I give a gift. That's what, he's, that's what scripture says. So every single person, every single one of you who is saved, you at least have one talent. Now, if you know what that gift is, Whatever you do, don't hide it. That's what the person with the one gift does. And that's a disaster. God is not asking the, the person with one gift for, for or one talent for ten. No, he's asking them for two. <laughs> right? The person with one talent brought nothing. But the person with four brought eight. The person with five brought ten. So they, they doubled. So, but he's not asking the person with one for ten. He's asking the person with one for two. And I think sometimes when we discover our gift, it can be intimidating. God's asking me for too much. That's very much the position I was in. You're asking me for too much. I am not capable. I can't do this. And it's just the sickness that comes over you when you, when, when you turn away from your responsibilities is worse than facing the fears. <laughs> you have a talent, at least one. You could have tens of talents, hundreds. I don't know. But for heaven's sake, find it and put it to use. There's a great trait within humanity to consider one talent nothing. So many Christians say, I've got nothing. Remember the widow, the widow with the oil. Elijah went to her and said, what have you got? First words out of her mouth, nothing. I'm nothing. I'm nobody. I'm nobody, Elijah. I haven't got anything. And the presence of the prophet turns the spotlight on <gasps> except a little exactly you do have something and you're not recognizing it because in your eye don't you know that that little thing is the key to your future and if you will just work it it's going to multiply your talents will multiply but you must recognize the small thing elijah with the servant elijah was getting victory after victory in battle but the servant can't believe and Elijah sends him up on the mountain. Go and look and tell me what you see. <laughs> Nothing. Yeah. Go again, servant. Go and look again. Nothing. Go and look again. Okay. I see such a small thing. A cloud the size of a man's hand. What do you see when you look in the mirror? What do you see? What do you believe? 
in your spiritual mirror what God has made you to be. You need to accept it. You're responsible for it, for your time, for your talents. And by the way, I, I, I promise you, you do not lack anything. You have, right now, everything you need to achieve the goal that God has for you right now. Say that again. You have, right now, everything you need to achieve the goal that God has for you right now. And if you don't have that thing now, it's because you don't need it now. You may need it in the future. This is in many places, but it's most emphasized in the life of David. God called David to be king. God put him on the throne. God gave him instructions in what to do. David was a naughty boy, but in 2 Samuel, um, Nathan, the prophet, comes to speak to David. And he says, uh, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, I anointed you. I appointed you as king over Israel. I delivered you to the hand of Saul. I gave you your master's house. I gave you your master's wives into your arms. And I gave you the house of Israel and Judah. Listen. And if all of this had been too little, I would have given you more. I gave you that gift. I gave you that position. So I gave you everything that you needed at the time you needed it to fulfill what I called you to do. And if you had needed more money, I would have given you more money. If you'd needed more people, more support, I would have given you more people because I appointed you. You have everything you need to achieve the goal that God has for you. You have it right now at your disposal. But can you see it? <laughs> you need to see it and then put it to work. And in the future, as things grow and you expand, your ministry expands, God will add what you need at exactly the time that you need it. Anyway, it might destroy you now. You might put it to the wrong use and wrong purposes. My time I'm responsible for. My talents and of course my treasure, and absolutely not just money, so, mu so much of the preaching around this point of treasure is money, and that's fine. <coughs> but Paul says this, we have this treasure in jars of clay. Not talking about money there, is he? He's talking about who I am, that I'm the light of the world. That's what you are. You are the light of the world. That's a treasure. Don't hide that lamp. But put that lamp on display for all to see. Preach the gospel in whatever way comes to hand. Use your gifting. Serve the church. And yes, if you need to retool, retool. If you need to revamp, revamp. But my final piece of advice to you today. Do it now. Do it now. Scripture says work while it is still daylight. Because the day and the hour is coming when no man can work. And as I look, I won't go into it today, but as I look at some of the, the restrictions being placed on Christianity and the gospel around the world, things are changing at a rapid pace, a very quick pace that I'm aware of. Um, and Jesus said, work now while it's daylight. I've given you this. I've trusted you with it. Do your work now. 
because the day and the hour is coming quickly when no man can work. Mary's was praying here this morning. We were in here early and she was praying specifically from Isaiah 45 verses 1 to 3 and Jeremiah 33 verse 3. Both of those scriptures say that God will reveal to you the things hidden within, the treasures hidden within you. And my prayer for you today and for us today, in this moment, you seize the time in which you have been trusted to live. What a day to be alive. Use the platforms, use the technologies in a sanctified way. Find your gift. Be humble. Get the retooling and the training you need, just like Elisha did. And be aware that we are walking with a treasure the likes of which we just don't realize that we're saved in this world. Be the light of the world in these dark days. Father, I pray for each and every person here. I thank you for them. I thank you for their fervor and their sincerity. And I commit them to you. Would you shine the light of God, the light of the Holy Spirit inside each person here and let them discover treasures hidden within Take away their fears and their anxieties and give them a loyalty towards the kingdom of God and Christ. May they break free as we see the flowers bursting to life all over the city. I pray that these people will burst into life, finding within them the treasures that God himself placed and letting him water them, grow them and develop them. And we pray we will be found trustworthy of taking this gospel in this day to the ends of the earth. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Michael. Thank you,